Well, good morning, church. As you know, we were having some really bad difficulties for some reason. The uh, audio was cutting in and out, so we improvised, and I popped my phone right here with us, so here we are. Hopefully those of you who are on live stream were able to pop into the new event. Well, I'm going to pray, and then uh, we are going to dig into God's Word together. As I said in the beginning of the service, you know, Tozer's words were very specific. The devil hates when God's people come together in the presence of the Lord. So he's going to find ways to ruin things, but you know what? We're going to find ways to ruin the devil's plans. So let's pray, and then we are going to jump into the book of 1 Corinthians together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time. I thank you that there are ways around technological problems. Holy Spirit of the living God, I pray that you will fall fresh upon us, that you will go forward and be magnified in this time. Father, we are blessed to have you in our lives. We do not deserve the love that you give. We do not deserve anything, yet you give freely. Holy Spirit of the living God, I pray that you will fall fresh upon me, that the agitation will leave. And Father, I pray for those who are at home that your presence will fall in their living rooms. In your name, amen. Amen. I remember a time when I went to go watch The Hobbit in the theaters. Now, I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan, and so when The Hobbit started coming out in theaters, I was super excited. Saved up time and money to go with my best friend Sean to the 3D showing of The Desolation of Smog. Now, if you know anything about The Hobbit movies, that's number two. So my buddy and I, we go to the movie. I rush out the door. I forget to lock the door as I was heading to the movie. And by the time we bought our tickets, our popcorn, our drinks, and all of that, I get a phone call. And Hillary calls me. She's super worked up. She's very anxious. And she begins to tell me a story through tears that a woman had broken into the house, drunk, was yelling at her. She was not feeling well. She was at home with the kids. The kids were asleep. And there she was at the top of the stairs trying to talk to this drunk woman who had broken into our house. And, you know, it was my fault <laughs> because I left the door unlocked. And there's this woman screaming and yelling at my wife. And she eventually says, I'm going to call the cops. And the woman runs out of the house, pulls our Christmas lights down, and then runs away. Well, the cops come and they interview Hillary and they ask her what had happened. And she shares the story in tears of what happened to her just recently. Now, the kids did not wake up at all, which was pretty phenomenal because, you know, my kids love to wake up early and, and they hear noises and they wake up. But they did not wake up. Well, after the interview, the cops leave, and then shortly after, they come back to the house, and they say, there was this woman who was running around drunk in the woods not too far from your house. Would you be willing to come and ID this woman to see if this was, in fact, the woman who broke into your house and tore down your Christmas lights? Hillary says yes, and they have a, a police guy, a police officer, who stays on our porch because he said, you know what, you need to go, you're the only one home, and uh, we're going to go and take you, we'll leave this, this police officer here on the porch, you don't want to scare the kids by going inside, he'll wait right here. So Hillary gets in the car, she goes, she IDs the woman, it is in fact the woman who had done the deed. And she says, yes, that's her. And all of a sudden, we now have to go to court to deal with this. And, you know, the reality is this. One of the things that I forgot to tell you just now is that I stayed and went to the movie. <laughs> Some of you are probably very upset that I did that. 
Well, I did, and that was a very selfish move. Well, anyways, we, we get to the court date. Hillary is, is scared. We've been praying about this for a while. And we get there, and she's still pretty anxious and, and fearful. We had prayed and asked the Lord, what do you want us to do? And the, the, the on-the-scene cop came and suggested that, you know what, we don't press charges, that we allow the court to deal with this woman. And we ask, you know, he get, puts her through rehab and all these different things. Well, we prayed about it, we thought about it, and Hillary did a very selfless act by not pressing charges. We decided as a family and her as the victim to not press charges. But she was so fearful that the judge saw that and made sure that the woman was not allowed to be near our house at all and that she had to go through rehab. And if she didn't, then she would have some legal repercussions. But I share that story because it was a pretty selfless move, and I was pretty selfish by staying at the movie. And it was my my whole fault. I had left the door unlocked. You see, but we're going to talk today in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 27, about living for the sake of the gospel. And I really believe this truth, that selflessness is a cornerstone of the kingdom life. Selflessness is a cornerstone of the kingdom life. The problem is, you and I, we don't live selflessly. Many times we live selfishly, as I did when I went to the movie anyways. It was my fault. I should have run home to protect my wife and to be there, but I didn't. And she selflessly did not press charges on this woman. Now, we have to look at the reality of the gospel life, the kingdom life this morning. And we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 27, as I said, because I believe that this scripture, this portion of scripture from Paul answers this question, how can we live for the sake of the kingdom? How can we live for the sake of the kingdom? If you have your Bible with you, please open to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 27. I'm reading from the ESV. You might have a different version at home, Uh, but let's read this together to see what are the keys to living the, the kingdom life for the sake of the kingdom. Scriptures, the word of the Lord says this, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I become as a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all of the runners, but only one receives the praise? So run... So all of them, only one of them receives the prize. I apologize. So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Here I believe that Paul challenges the believers in Corinth, and for you and for me. He challenges them to live for the sake of the gospel. He's sharing with them how he is living for the sake of the gospel and asking them to join him in this effort. 
And so we're going to see five keys that he gives us to live for the sake of the kingdom, to live for the sake of the gospel. And the first key he gives us is to see that a kingdom life releases its rights. A kingdom life releases its rights. Here's what it says. For though I am free from all, this is verse 19, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. He's declaring to the the church in Corinth, I am releasing my rights. I am letting my rights go. I am free in Christ. I have freedom. I have this great freedom in Jesus, but I am going to rechain myself, reslave myself, so that people can come to know Jesus. He is going to chain himself to, to living a different lifestyle, to living the lifestyle for those who are weak. He is going to become weak. You see this scripture where he's saying, I am going to release my rights. The Greek word for slave here is doulos, and it means to make oneself subservient to another. He is choosing to be subservient to everyone for the purpose of bringing them the gospel. That is a powerful way of living that you and I generally don't live. Because to live for the sake of the kingdom is to live for the sake of others. Richard Mulholland in his book, Invitation to a Journey, says that spiritual formation is being transformed into the image of Christ for the sake of others. Us coming into the the gospel reality of life, having the freedom of Christ, being saved to go to heaven, being saved to live the gospel life now is not just for ourselves. When we are transformed into the image of Christ, we then begin to live for others. Paul is here sharing with the church in Corinth that we need to live for others. This this whole gospel, this whole life, this whole freedom in Christ is not for us alone. We are to live a life that brings others to Jesus. The purpose of the gospel is to be used to bring others to the truth. And Paul is sharing with the church in Corinth, this is my heart for you. He is dying to himself. And we reflect Christ when we die to ourselves. We reflect Christ when we die to ourselves. You see, the problem is our culture is filled with narcissism. Our culture is filled with this desire to be self-satisfying. Our culture is filled with this purpose of living for myself. And the church, in by and large, has totally bought into the narcissistic reality. This pandemic is changing how we view church. This pandemic is changing how we live church because we have to live for the sake of others at this point. We have got to find a way to be in community. We, we need to find those who need help and we need to give them community however we can. This is a challenge of a time of our lives where we can be Jesus to the world. And that's why I believe the Lord put this particular passage on my heart. Because we need to be challenged to live a kingdom lifestyle. We need to be challenged to live more like Christ where he died to himself. And you and I can model that by dying to ourselves. To becoming slaves to all in order that we might win some. We reflect Christ when we die 
to ourselves. Paul was challenging us to be selfless and to place the mission above our rights rather than our rights above the mission. How often do I put my rights above the mission? Even in that story that I gave in the beginning, I felt it was my right. I paid for the ticket. I felt it was my right to go to the movie with my friend. We had set this time aside. We had set the money aside. But how wrong that was. I should not have done that. I should have gone home to be with my wife to help her through that process and that time. But I did not. How often do we put our rights above the mission? Kingdom living is releasing rights. That's the first key that Paul gives us. The second key he gives us is to see that a kingdom life knows the needs around it. A kingdom life knows the needs around it. Paul points this out when he talks about his studying and researching of the people. Let me explain. When we release our rights, we are studying the needs, and we're studying the culture, and we're studying the people around us. For him to be like a Jew, he had to understand Jewish culture. For him to be like a Gentile, he had to understand that culture. In order for him to be weak, he needed to know the weaknesses of the people so that he could be weak alongside of them. Now, this is a very missiological passage where it says that in order to bring people to Jesus, we have got to change our method of how we reach different cultures. You have to learn the language. If you're going to go to a different country and with the CMA as a full-time international worker, there is a two-year process of getting to know the language, understanding it, knowing it studying the culture, knowing what's offensive and what's not offensive on how to bring the truth of the gospel with a different methodology. Now, he says that the the gospel never changes. The gospel never moves from what it is. The word of God remains as it is. The mission is always the same, but the methods change. And so he took time to research the culture around him. How does this deal with the needs of today? Well, are we researching the needs in the midst of this pandemic? Are we asking our neighbors, walking around the neighborhood saying, do you need help? What do you need? How can I walk alongside you? We need to know the needs around us. Paul took time to know how they lived and to learn their way of living so he could enter in the lives with as little offense as possible. His goal was cultural understanding. You and I in this pandemic, we understand the issues and the problems of what it does to us. But what is it doing to those around us? Even here, we struggled with the live stream, trying to figure things out. Well, we got it. But what are the needs and the pain and the struggles of those around you? What do they need? I love what one commentator said. He said, the gospel is not relativized. It's not changed. It doesn't become relative to the world. The gospel is not relativized to worldly social conditions that are no more than contemporary social structures and sensibilities. Rather, the apostle himself becomes relativized in order to preserve the integrity of the gospel. He becomes relative to his culture, understanding what it is that they need. You and I have an opportunity to live for the sake of the kingdom by being relativized to our neighbors in this time, recognizing, understanding, researching what is needed. Now, some of you who are watching this are are in need yourself. 
I've talked with several people in our church and I said, hey, you know, what do you need? Do you need some toilet paper? We have some extra that we can give you. And they said, oh, no, 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 we're fine. But then they ran out and went to seven different stores looking for toilet paper. When I could have helped fulfill that need because I had extra. We cannot be prideful in this time. We have got to release that pride and say, I do need help. Please, if you need help, we as a church are pooling resources so that we can help. We want to be the kingdom of God to you. And those of you who have extra resources, I know I've been getting emails all over the place saying, here's what we have that's extra. What can we do? How do we have a need that we can fill? And I appreciate that. We are, I'm compiling a list of all the things that we have. And so if you have a neighbor who needs toilet paper, we have people who have it. If you have a neighbor who needs extra water, we have people who have it. If you have any need that is around you, please make us aware of it. Research your community. Paul researched the needs of the people. Living a kingdom life means finding out what is needed in our neighborhoods. The third key that Paul gives us is to see that a kingdom life is mission Minded. Look at verse 23 in chapter 9. A kingdom life is mission-minded. Here's what he said in verse 23. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. He says, everything I am doing, all of this surrendering, all of this enslavement to the needs of those around me, all of the research of what's going on, all of becoming weak alongside of the weak, all of that is for the sake of the gospel. He lived his life on mission. A kingdom life is mission-minded. I think one of the things that you can see is Paul was talking to the church in Corinth. He was asking himself this question with everything that he had done. Will this fulfill the mission of the gospel? Is this living for the sake of the kingdom or for my own sake? And he would run that question through the lens of what he would do. Is this going to advance God's kingdom or is it going to hinder the kingdom of God? And he sought to do that which would advance the kingdom and sought not to do that which would hinder the kingdom. He was missions-minded in everything that he did. A kingdom life is mission-minded. I'm challenged with this as I read it and as I preach it and as I teach it because I know that I don't always run this through the grid of my life. Sometimes I want to do what I want to do. Sometimes I, I have this attitude of going forward and it's my right, like I had said before, or I'm entitled to something that I'm not entitled to. And sometimes it's just because I don't care enough. And that is a problem that the Holy Spirit is working on me in my life. You and I have got to be mission-minded people. And this is a perfect time for gospel advancement where we can be mission-minded, where we can move forward the gospel of Christ rather than pulling it backward. And much of that has to do with how selfless we are in these times. Because selflessness is a cornerstone of the kingdom life. Listen, I know that this is a hard time for many. 
I know that some of you have lost your part-time jobs. I recognize that some of you are afraid of contracting the virus. Some of you are afraid that you already have contracted the virus. Some of you know of people who have the virus. Some of you know and heard all the news of the people that are dying from the virus. And in these moments, in these times of pandemic, in these times of fear and anxiety, one of the things that is naturally human is to isolate and to come inside and to be selfish with what we have our time, our talents, and our treasures. But my friends, this could be a time where we look through the grid of kingdom advancement and say, how can I move forward in selflessness to advance the kingdom of God? And I guarantee you the Holy Spirit will answer that question because he loves answering that question. Because when we are in the presence of God, when we are asking the Lord, what is it that we can do? How can we advance your kingdom? How can we live for your glory? He will show us. Are we mission-minded? A fourth key which goes along with this idea of being mission-minded is a kingdom life dwells among. What does that mean, dwells among? One of my favorite portions of this scripture is verse 22. To the weak I became weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. He was not pulling away. He was dwelling among. He was dwelling with. He spent time with the weak. He had in-person moments with the Jews and the Gentiles. Now you might say, well, they didn't have the internet. They didn't have all the things that we have now to connect with people. That's true. But he still dwelt among. He spent hours and time and days and years to be among the people that needed the gospel. He found out where the areas of mission were, and he released his rights for the sake of the kingdom to be among to dwell with, to be alongside. Now, in this pandemic, dwelling among does look different. Dwelling among does have to be socially distant. But are there ways that we can dwell with others in their pain? One of the things that we're going to be doing is Zoom prayer meetings where we can pray with one another. Although we're not there in person, we can be face-to-face with a camera and our computer or our phone, and we can pray for one another. We can find ways to dwell among one another, to dwell with, to walk alongside. This is something that Paul was passionate about, and he shares with the Corinthians that we must become weak in order to win the weak. Remember, this was all through the lens of mission, and it was all through the lens of releasing his rights to becoming subservient to all so that he might win some to Jesus. That is a powerful reality. You know, as we live among, as we walk alongside, we need to do that not just with our brothers and sisters in Christ, but with the world in general, the communities around us. How can we do that? Well, only the Holy Spirit can answer those questions. But the reality is this, is that I fully believe that this pandemic can be leveraged for kingdom advancement. That we don't treat people as projects, but we treat people as people. 
and we love them. And as we walk alongside them, we are the Bible in the flesh. We are the only time they may see Jesus. We may be the only Bible that they read as we live our gospel life. And that will draw them to the kingdom. As we live with mission mind, we, we dwell among. But let me share with you, we cannot dwell among without first dwelling in. We cannot dwell among without first dwelling in. What do I mean by that? Well, I love this imagery that uh, Rob Reamer, an author in the Alliance, gives. He says that to live into the Spirit is to dwell in the river of the Spirit. That means that we are in the presence of God. That means that we are frustrating the devil because as believers we are dwelling in his presence. We cannot dwell among, we cannot be missions-minded, we cannot bring people to Jesus unless we are first spending time with him. We have got to take time in this pandemic, in this time of social distancing, in this time of forced Sabbath. We need to be with him. We need to ask and allow the Holy Spirit to fill us and say, how can I live for the kingdom? Because you cannot do it. I cannot do it without the Holy Spirit. All of these things, sacrificing our rights, dwelling among, knowing the needs around us, living on mission, can only be done as we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit is empowering the work that you and I are called to, it changes everything. As I said last Sunday, as I was praying you know, my prayer is that, that this whole thing will be lifted by Easter time so that churches around America can be packed on Easter. Now, I'm not sure if that's going to be answered or not, but I do know one thing. I fully believe that when this pandemic and the sanctions are lifted, people will be so hungry for community that they will want to be with anyone they can, even me. They might want to hang out with me. <laughs> But the reality is, is that people are going to be hungry for community. Invite them into our church. This, this pandemic, my friends, is only a season. Although it's tough, although it's anxious filling, although it's fear filled, although there's media fear mongering all around us, it is only for a season. Viruses run their course. When the course is done, will we have a greater impact for the kingdom? or a lesser one. My prayer is that we will have a greater and that our churches all across America will be filled with people who are hungry for God, hungry for Jesus, hungry for community. And I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray that we can answer that call and bring them the gospel with our lives and show them the Bible lived out and be filled with the Holy Spirit to show them the realities of the gospel. But that begins now. It begins in the middle of this pandemic. But we need to be dwelling in the river of the Holy Spirit in order to do that. Paul did not claim to do this on his own. But earlier in the scriptures and later in this, in this book, Paul will declare his full dependence upon the Holy Spirit. And you and I must live the same way. The fifth key, 
that Paul gives us to live for the sake of the kingdom is this, to recognize, to see that a kingdom life is not lived in vain. A kingdom life is not lived in vain. I love Paul's phrase. He just brings so much richness in his illustrations. Verse 26, So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. Now imagine, here's what he's saying. There are two boxers, and they're in the ring, and they're about ready to get into a fight and box, and one boxer turns around and begins punching the air like this. Now that's not a good fight. (laughs) If you've seen boxing and a person starts punching the air while the other person is punching them, that is a fruitless effort. And what he's saying is, is our lives are not lived in vain. As believers of Jesus, when we live for the sake of the kingdom, we're not going like this. We're actually fighting the enemy. We're actually doing what he has called us to do. We're actually impacting eternity. When we live the kingdom life, it has eternal ramifications. It is not something that is temporal. It is something that has eternal value. It is not beating the air. It is not boxing random cells around the world here like that. It is going after the the kingdom of God. It is impacting the fullness of eternity. You're living on mission now, living for the sake of the kingdom now, will have eternal ramifications. What we sow during this pandemic, what we sow during this pandemic, if lived in the power of the Holy Spirit, will have eternal value. Let me say that again. What we sow in this pandemic, if lived in the power of the Holy Spirit, will have eternal value. My friends, I know it's hard. This is not an easy passage of Scripture. It's not even super uplifting in some ways because it's a challenge. It's difficult. It's hard. But you and I, We can do it because we have the Holy Spirit. We have the King living within us, empowering us through His Spirit. Will we dwell in the river? Will we dwell in the house of the Lord? I pray that we will. I pray that we will. A life lived for the sake of the kingdom is a calling on all of our lives. As believers, it is a calling on all of our lives. It is hard to lay down our lives. It is hard, it is hard to become subservient to others in order to win them. It is hard to have a mission focus. It is hard to ask the question, will this advance the kingdom of God or my own kingdom? And then it's hard to be honest and say, okay, this is something that I need to release because it is my kingdom, not God's. And this is something I need to embrace because it's God's kingdom. It's advancing his kingdom. It's advancing his mission. And as your pastor, I'll be honest, I fail often at this myself. This is a message for me during this time. 
This is a message for you during this time. Yet we can surrender to the Holy Spirit, dwell with Him, and then seek to dwell among those who need the gospel. Your neighbors need the gospel. The weak need the gospel. How can we walk alongside? May we resolve this morning to live for the sake of the kingdom. I'm reminded of a song. Now, I'm not going to sing the whole thing, but I felt compelled this morning as I was praying the song for the sake of his kingdom. And, and I watched it. I remember singing this as a kid in, in my inner city church in Pittsburgh. And it goes like this. For the sake of your kingdom, I'll live in my life. For the sake of your kingdom, I'll sacrifice all earthly things. Let me be Jesus to a dying world that needs him. And it's a powerful testament. It's a gospel song, so I totally messed it up. And uh, it is just a beautiful song that reminds me that we are living for the sake of the kingdom, that we are giving up our rights, that we are sacrificing ourselves for the sake of the kingdom. I remember singing that as a kid and not really knowing the full ramifications of what I was singing. Let us resolve today to live for the sake of the kingdom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that we will live for the sake of the kingdom, that we will give up our life. It's not easy. I can't pretend to stand here to say, oh, it's going to be the easiest thing we've ever done. But Father, we do need to live for the sake of your kingdom. I know that this is a time for kingdom advancement, and I pray, Holy Spirit, that as we dwell in your river, that we'll see the needs, that we'll release our rights and live for your kingdom. In your name, amen.